Hey everybody, I'm Sean Rosensteel, author of The School of Intentional Living and host of Authorized, where authors go live to reveal their insights, stories, and best lessons from their most recent works. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy this week's episode. I'm really excited to be with Ryan Stanley here today, author of Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful. Ryan, how you doing, my friend? Getting better by the minute, Sean. Thank you for asking. Awesome, uh, super, awesome. Yeah, super excited to be here. Yeah, well, thanks for being on the show today. So I want to talk about your book, but cool. me I too. also know. <laughs> What's that? I said, me too. Yeah, <laughs> but I also know that like school's starting again. All of us yeah. who have kids that are still in school, even if they're virtual, yeah, we're all trying to navigate this uncertainty. So- where are yeah. you in all that? Are you just starting? Have you started? No, it's been it's been a very interesting week. You know, it's like you, you come off the long Labor Day week, and this is I've got a, a nine year old and a six year old, and um, so you know the fourth, so the nine year old's fourth grade, and so he he's manageable and he's kind of doing his own thing. They got the virtual thing down, nice. But the six year old, it's like literally, um, we, we didn't really know what to expect, and he's you know, he goes to school two days a week, and then he's home two days a week. But the two days a week he's been home have been, you know, or he's home three days a week, I guess. Uh, but Tuesday and Thursday. So today was a long day of, you know, it's not this thing where you can say, okay, here's your project. And I, and I absolutely did my best. I had everything printed out for the day. I was like, here's your things. At least I was prepared to give them to him. Right. But, uh, you know, it's like writing is hard. Like, you know, you have to like literally write the sentence. I love my cat because, and it's like, oh, I just don't feel like I can do it. It's like, for the love of Pete, like, listen, it's just, just letters. It's all I want you to do letters. <laughs> so, you know, being the book that we've talked about is patience, be present, be joyful. Every day is an opportunity for me to practice that, uh, even as a parent as well. I mean, sometimes that, that's my biggest challenge in patients. Um, so, you know, all that being said, it's, it's been an opportunity for growth uh, and connection and self-awareness. Cool. But uh, we're doing, man. We're, we're learning. We're growing just like everybody else. We're trying to figure it all out. And in the grand scheme of things, I know there's, there's certainly worst case scenarios uh, out there. So we'll be yeah. right. And ideally, it'll be temporary, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you're out in New Jersey, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing. So, you know, I'm 45, 50 minutes west of New York City. And so we've been hit pretty hard. We got hit really hard early, like out of New York. Like it was like Jersey was just shut down. And so kids stopped going to school in March. Right. And we did some of the, the virtual stuff here and there. And it was that was a learning curve as well. But now that they've actually and I'm, I'm grateful they have more for the children to do. They have it more figured out a little bit. But again, with the six year old at that point, there's more for me to do to kind of keep them on point uh, throughout the day. So right. it's been an adventure. And, and you know, obviously there's always a learning curve. But yeah. We'll make yeah. it through. If, that, if yeah. that's my worst problem that I have to make time to educate my child, then uh, overall I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, right now all throughout the country, I mean, teachers are, you know, trying to learn technology and, and yeah. Zoom or whatever, you know, virtual learning. That's, that's a whole new can of worms. And then parents are trying to learn how to teach <laughs> yeah. like, while doing their job, like while, you know, crazy. multitask, yeah. focus, you know, block out distractions. It's just scheduled time chunk. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's a, uh, and I mean, listen, to be honest with you, if it was, if that's all I had to do, like if I did, if I had the time, I still have had moments of impatience. Don't get me wrong. But if I was just able to kind of sit with my child throughout the day and focus on it, then that would have been a different scenario, I think. But having other projects to do it, having other things to work on and, just, you know, work, uh, which I love to do, but it, it's also needs to get done, uh, yeah. makes it, you know, an opportunity for awareness. Like, who, who do I want to be <laughs> right. throughout right. this day? Because right. it's, it's new to all of us. It's new to the kids. So I also have to be patient with their learning and their kind of getting to this new thing. Why am I doing my math at the kitchen table at 11 o'clock in the morning? 
as opposed to being in a classroom setting and then the whole thing. So, yeah, um, but it's fun, man. It's some, certainly something we'll talk about, I think, for a long, long time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people that that I've worked with over the years. It's like, you know, I'm really trying to find more time with my kids. Right. <laughs> what you wish for. Care what you wish for. Now you've yeah. got it. And yeah. you're still complaining. Yeah, right. Yeah, not too much. If I could just get less time with my kids, I think that's really what right. I'm doing. Right, right. Yeah. But not in this capacity. Right, like, right. Not teaching them third grade math. Like, yeah. that, that's not what I had in mind. Like, Trying well, to cut down. You know, yeah. <laughs> Life is happening for you, right? Always. There it Always. is. Yeah, and yeah. that and that truly is, right? And so, um, and I can say that. And um, I picked that up even in the spring that my, so both my boys went through a stage of, uh, meaning the first part of their life were very mama's kids, mama's boys. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, they just really loved their mom. That was first person they attached onto type of thing. And in, in when they were in trouble or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and as a father, like, you know, you kind of like, well, I'm, I'm cool too. Like, you know, Hey, uh, but it is just part of, and at least in my family, my experience is just part of being a kid. Right. Um, right. And so in the spring, when we first started homeschooling, there was an opportunity for me to spend a little bit more time with my six-year-old who, is now still was still kind of in that stage and is now starting to understand that I guess dad is all right. He is cool. We can spend some time together. We can kind cool. of uh, become buddies. And so that's, that's, that's certainly been a benefit. Um, I, maybe I'll, ideally I fast forwarded some of that stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. But yeah, man. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Well, so I just finished your book last night. Awesome. Your book surprised me because when it arrived, you were gracious enough to send me a copy. Yeah. And when it arrived, you know, I, I'm used to eight and a half by, you know, right. 11 or whatever, or whatever that is, um, yeah. eight and a half by five and a half, whatever it is, your book is a smaller book. Yeah. Um, and I wish I would have brought my copy here with me today. It's still yeah. on my nightstand because I literally just wrapped right. it up last night. You have a copy of it? I do. I meant to have one present and uh, hiding in the box. So I do. You're right. It's, it's the you size go. of your hand. Yeah. You know, really cool. 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 And actually, it's funny you say that because I literally, when I first got my first copy, I was, <laughs> I was surprised by the size. Yeah. yeah. And it's weird because, you know, as you're putting it together and you're in this, um, like, you know, you're, you're seeing the, the proofs and they, it's on a PDF and you, like I kind of in your brain, okay, I right. do the map, I know how big it's going to be. And we intentionally made it this big, like I knew how big it was going to be, but I hadn't actually seen it that big. Um, and so when I got it, I was like, I was surprised as well. Like I was like, oh, but then when I realized that's exactly what I wanted it to be, yeah, uh, it was almost like this weird surprise of of I don't know how to explain it. It's really an interesting feeling to have it look smaller than I thought it was going to look, but then have it be the exact size that I wanted it to be. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I loved it because you know sometimes great big things come in small packages, Always. and that's how I felt about your book. So Thanks, you man. had kind of pre-framed me for the read I was about to go through, and you I think you said something like you can either you know blow through it in 20, 30 minutes. It's not a difficult read. It's not a long read, or you can yeah. kind of take your time with it. One of my favorite reads of all time, and I try to read this at least once a year, year is the Tao Te Ching, you know, the book of the way. Yeah. And that's 81 verses only, and it's very short and you can blow through it or you can, you know, spend a day or a week with each verse, right? So yep. take it down however you want it. So I spent probably the last week or so on your book and I'd read, you know, cause it's, it's like the introduction, then you've got the three prime chapters, right? Yeah. Patience and presence and, and joy. Yep. And you've got some neat first aid things in the back that you could just yeah. turn to at any time. I love that. Um, so I thought it was different and unique and I really enjoyed it. And it's one that you can go back and revisit, you know, more oh. often than once, which is cool. And you've got the first aid, you know, icon yeah. on the front, which is neat. 
Do you know why it's there? Yeah. So, so tell me, you know, how did this, it's so different. So how did this book come to be? Like what, when were you like, oh, you know, I need to write this book. Like what made you write it? Yeah. Um, and thank you again for the opportunity to share. So first of all, I would say, and I will share with you real quick. I, one day I had the idea for the book and I wrote it down. Just uh, this, I literally, this, and I keep it with me everywhere. It's like, you are a creator, like be patient, be present. This is, this is, this is how my book started literally yeah. on this piece of paper. Um, and it really just as a testament to any business, any creation, anything we do, it all starts with an idea. And, you know, you, you, when you remember when the seed was planted, like this is literally the seed, right? Um, cool. so as a life coach for over a decade, I've worked with enough people to see these common themes of people not really understanding the value of patience, the value of presence, the value of joy and, and feeling like there was something that needed to be acquired and some people had them and some people didn't. And there was that type of thing as opposed to understanding that we really can all create patience, presence, and joy whenever we want to. Like anything else that's worth doing, often it takes practice, it takes a habit, I mean, it, it takes um, consistency, because most of us who are in that space of not um, being patient, present, or joyful have, have built the habit of the, of impatience, of non-presence, of, of lack of joy over our entire life. Yeah. And so it just occurred to me, I was like, listen, it's and I, I'm literally not belittling anybody's experience because I wrote this book as much for me as I did for everybody else. But I, you know, it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science, right? It is literally decide to be patient, right? So, and let me dial it back. I am also not a reader, right? I, I love. I, there are so many books out there that will change your life, that will you know benefit your life tremendously. I will just not finish reading most of them <laughs> because I got three quarters away. My brain just goes elsewhere. I've just kind of a little bit of a long-term ADD. And uh, so I wanted something to, I wanted to create a book for people like me, that people that might, you know, have a stressful day, feel overwhelmed, feel anxiety, and um, not want to sit down for three weeks to a month or whatever it is to kind of get through a 300 page book. Sure. They, you know, you're going to spend a hundred pages telling what they're telling you, 200 pages telling you what they're telling you, then a hundred pages telling you what they told you, which again, there's benefit in, right? That's how you retain information. And there's a lot, there's a lot to do. But I wanted something like, listen, I'm having a tough day. Maybe I'm even in the car. I'm in a space where I can't sit down and read, or I'm about to go into a meeting or something like that. I'm just not feeling myself. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I, and I, I need some first aid. So I wanted to create a book for people in that space, hmm. uh, which I've been myself. And so that was, that was the intention. Uh, and then you go back to the size. I always also wanted to be something in those spaces that people could carry around with them. That literally you could carry it in your back pocket. You could keep it in the glove compartment of your car. You could have it on your nightstand. You could have it in the bathroom, whatever. Just something that is easily accessible. To your point, I've, I've many people have told me that, listen, sometimes I just keep it by my nightstand. And before, at the end of a long day, I'll just open it up anywhere in there and find something that can serve me. Cool. Um, and that was the intention, right? So it is a first aid kit. So you can um, read straight. I know we already shared it, but you can read straight through it, right? And there is tangible steps. So when you do read it in order, you do kind of understand the, the concept that, you know, there, there is an intentional prologue talking about the value of us, the, the awareness of us being a creator and that sure. we're always creating something and then goes into the steps. And when people start, when you read through it, you, you can take a step back and say, okay, how could I create patience? Like if I, if I wanted to or needed to, we can get into the details of that in a minute, but if I wanted to or needed to, what would it be like, how, how would a patient person behave in this moment? Um, what would it feel like if I did create patience instead of getting caught up in the story that I can't be patient because of this, because of that, because all this is happening to me, instead stepping into it, life is happening for you. So who do you want to be with right. the that, that showed up? Um, yeah, it, it's hard though. I mean, I know for me, like I, I modeled a lot of impatience 
for many sure. years of my life because yeah. I, that's what I saw and that's what I learned. And that was a normal reaction to become impatient. It's hard to, you have to set that intention, right? So like, I love what you're saying about there's, there's, you have to create that and you yeah. have to set that intention. You have to have an awareness for it before it happens, because when you're in the heat of the moment, you know, you got to interrupt that pattern totally. so to speak. Yep. Um, yeah, I was at, Years ago, I went to a Brendan Burchard event and I actually took my dad and my dad's like, man, he's just my, my, my hero in many ways. Now he wasn't uh, yeah. years ago, but now he is and he's grown so much. And, and um, he, it was interesting because Brendan, like halfway through this four day live event was like program on your phone, the three words, you know, who, who do you want to become? Yeah. And think of those things in three words and put it on your phone. So I did that. And my three words were present, patient, and positive, yeah. especially as it pertained to my kids. Because back right. then I had like a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I have three kids yeah. now. but right. um, And I was struggling with that because sometimes they'd be crying sure. or throwing a fit. And I, you know, I, my, my anger and my, oh, I'm out of control and I'm frustrated, like that would bubble out and I would yeah. you know, flood, so to speak. And I wouldn't be proud of my behavior. And I didn't know how to fix it. So anyway, so I programmed, well, what was neat was, so, so that just setting that intention alone started. And, and just the awareness, like, this is who I want to Dude. create. This is who I prefer to be. I know that I'm not these things right. or at least as often as I'd like to be. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, a year or two, maybe longer went by and my dad and I went to lunch and we were talking about some things and somehow that event got you know brought up and his phone went off and I had turned my alarms off you know, a year ago or whatever, but yeah. his alarm went off and I saw the three words. I'm like, is that still the alarm from that event we went to? And he's yeah. like, yeah. And I'm like, what do you got? And he's like, oh, present patient positive. I'm like, oh my God. Get out of here. <laughs> so it's, it's like we the same DNA. Yeah. It's like of all the words in the English language, you know, yeah. like we actually chose the same exact. So for me, it was a big reminder of like, wow, we are really products of our environment here and we model what we see. And if what we see, we don't like so much, we have to set that intention. We've got to create that. Um, and recognize there's an opportunity to do that as often as possible. Sure. And sure. then real quick, I'll also tag into that point of as parents and I trust me, I was, I was there today. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then yeah. in patient's level, you know, yeah. um, it's not that it's never going to happen or that it shouldn't happen or that you're, you're a bad parent for re reacting the way you did. Uh, from my experience, it's if you want to cultivate patience with, with your children in particular, in this example, um, it's deciding right after that, as soon as you recognize that it's happened, how long do you want to stay there? How long do you want to stay angry? How long do you want sure. to be angry at your child for behaving like a child? Yeah. Um, and once we start to curve that and we start to take a step back and say, okay, it's been three minutes. Like I don't, I yelled and that was, I got, he, I got his attention. I, my point was made. Um, my point is not to sit there and drive it in and make them feel that they're a bad child for behaving like a child. And when we start to do that and curve it back as often as possible, then, you know, first it starts off at 10 minutes, right? Then it'll be seven right. minutes and then say like, as that becomes a habit. Incremental um, improvements. Yeah. Absolutely. It's about creating patience with yourself kind of in that space. Okay. Be patient that I behaved that way. It's not who I want to be. So how do, who do I want to be from here? Yeah. Yeah. As I was reading that introduction, all of that, um, it was just awesome content around creation. It, it kind of brought me back to, I think one of the first times that I read Stephen Covey's seven habits and he talks about everything is created twice. It's created once up here. Yeah. It's created once in physical reality, right? In the real yeah. world so to speak. Totally. Uh, so 
Well, that's awesome. I feel like, you know, setting that intention and creating that um, vision for yourself is just, it's so important. Well, and, that, and that's actually, I was on a, a podcast recently and they asked me like, you know, what's the overarching theme of the book? And it really, and I hadn't thought about it before. I hadn't really been asked that question before. And I, I thought about it and it actually is the prologue. Like the prologue is that you are a creator, right? So the next chapters could have been about anything uh, that you want to create. If it was about being a productive business person, you know what I mean? Like I, I probably right. could have focused in there, but the concept of the prologue is that we are always and in always creating something. Right. I, you and I right now are two men creating an awesome uh, episode. And at any point, if we're you're trying. Right. Yes, we are. We absolutely are. Not even trying. We're being. Kirk. Um, Kirk oh. says, I uh, love the work you're both doing here. Energy, intention, real world examples are fantastic. Oh, that's awesome, Kirk. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, literally in any moment, you're always creating something. When you wake up in the morning, if you decided to, and I go into this in the book a little bit, if you decided to, um, you know, put on blue pants, a blue shirt and blue hat, you are creating a human being dressed in blue. If you were to put uh, peanut butter on one piece of bread and jelly on the other, you put them together, you're creating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Obviously this stuff is is obvious, but we also create laughter. We create joy. We create uh, confidence, but we create conversation. We create art. We create music. We create all these things. And occasionally, maybe in a year like 2020, or uh, if you have a, a three and a one-year-old or a six-year-old, uh, you might occasionally create impatience or anger, or frustration, or overwhelm. And it's not that these things shouldn't happen to you, or, or shouldn't shouldn't occur in your life. Um, it's just recognizing that when they do, they are actually occurring from within. They're not happening to you. Your, your impatience, your stress, your overwhelm does come from within. Um, and so when we start to recognize that I'm always creating something, who do I want to create now? It gives us more possibility and opens up more opportunity to be the best versions of ourselves when we start uh, looking at it that way. I love it. I love it. And we're creating emotions. Yeah. You know, that's, what, it's amazing. I mean, those resources within us, those emotions can drive. And, then when, and when you take it to the biological level, those emotions, our body has a physical reaction to those emotions. So it creates chemicals that make us feel a certain way, right? So it's, it's this whole cycle that we don't make enough time to think about it, I don't think. But when you do, if you make the time to think about it, what is actually happening in my body when I get angry? Is that going to serve who I want to be in the now? Right. Uh, you know, it can be a pretty powerful process. Yeah. I noticed that you quite a bit, you repeated be here now. Yeah. So is that, are you familiar with, with Ram Dass and his teachings? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that was inspired by Ram Dass or if you were getting that from somewhere else, but. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a combination of just my coaching experience, Ram Dass, uh, Eckhart Tolle. I mean, they're just, it, and my belief and understanding is that there is literally only now always. And that can be also extremely powerful and extremely freeing because so and that's why chapter two is be present, right? So so once you, if you're not typically the reason patient, uh, be patient was chapter one is because typically patience is the one thing that people recognize. Okay, I know whether I'm patient or not patient, right? That, that is a universal concept that most people kind of get. Sometimes when you step into presence and the power of the now, some people think, oh, that's a little too woo-woo-y for me or I don't really get that. or I don't even know what it means to be present or whatever. So I, I wanted to start off the book with this concept of patience because I knew that it's something that everybody can appreciate. Um, and typically patience is like people are worried that the future is not happening fast enough or they're not, you know, they're, they're not where their career is, that they don't have the job they want, they don't have the car they want, they don't have the relationship they want, whatever they want, or they're just late for a business meeting and they're stuck in traffic, right? All these different things that create impatience in our life. So once you decide that you want to create a person who is, is patient, um, and you're not worried about the future, you're not, you don't feel like you're late for anything, then, you know, chapter two is so, so be here now, 
Don't worry. There's no need to worry about the past either. And I say that you know, so many people spend so much time focused on the past and it's actually has built up their identity to who they are today. And they spend so much time telling the story of this is who I was and this is what happened to me. And by doing that, you're actually taking away from the now, right? So now there is oxygen, there is sunlight, there is gravity, all these things just so that you can exist literally right now as sure. you're, as you're watching us have this conversation. Um, and when you start to appreciate that, and then in the moment, more often than not, create gratitude for the now and everything that you have the ability to to function in the now, um, it really just becomes a, a way of being um, and a way to experience life on a different level. And then moments when you are getting angry with your children, <laughs> you can take moments like, okay, how important is the anger that I'm feeling? How important is it that they, they're not doing their homework the right way, right? If, if, you know, if being now, if now is all there is, who do I want to be now? Sure. When you start asking yourself questions like that, um, cool. you know, life can be pretty powerful. Uh, so I want to talk about the 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 second chapter, which is the the, the presence component. I'm going to bring yep. us back for a minute to this yep. idea of uh, patience. I love. I think it was Wayne Dyer, and he may have gotten it from someone else, but he was always known to say, "Infinite patience produces immediate results." Yeah. And I just love that because, like, at the end of the day, what do we want? We just we, we want to feel good. Yeah. We want to enjoy life. Yeah. Right. And and if you have infinite patience and you can right. allow and surrender and realize that maybe it's not, it's just not time yet for this thing to happen. Or if I didn't achieve that goal, maybe it's just, it's not, you know, maybe there's still some learning I need to do or whatever it may have been. It's like yeah. have that infinite patience. Cause oftentimes us getting impatient, whether it's kids, spouse, partner, business colleagues, employees, it has to do with other people's behavior Totally. Not meeting our own expectations. Yeah. For me, it's a lot of it. I could just, just having expectations in general. Right. I mean, right? it's yep. a thing that will, if anybody's upset with anybody else and you said, well, if you didn't have expectations, how would, you know, how would you feel differently yeah. about it? Like, yeah. Oh, so it's like, these are the things that I can control and everything outside of this circle. Those are things I can control and certainly other people, other people's behaviors and certainly expectations where there are things happening that are outside of our control. We're yeah. setting our, sells up for disappointment each and every time. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. We keep doing that, you know? Absolutely. Um, so I well, love that concept of infinite patience because I'd rather live my life over there in that land of infinite patience because what do I want? I just want to feel good. I just want to be here now. I just want to totally right? and, and not only do I want to feel good, but I want to feel good now. Right. Right. I want and it now. Like, yeah. It's like this weird thing of like, yeah. Um you know, we, we want what we want. And when it doesn't happen in the time that we want it, we think it's not going to happen. And then now we, we are physically creating energy that is angry or stressed about something that isn't happening as opposed right. to creating energy that is grateful for what is happening. Right. And in that space, what I've really learned specifically over the last year is about creating gratitude for the outcome that you want. Like literally, instead of thinking of all the reasons why it's not happening on time, the way you want it and when it should have happened and all these different things, Instead of, you know, literally creating gratitude for it happening the way it's supposed to, that will serve you and will serve your journey, then you, there is this level of, of comfort and understanding in the now. It's like, well, it's not like, oh, well, at least, right? It's not like, at least I have my health, at least, right? It's like, no, I have my health sure. and I'm here now. Um, and when I start to create gratitude for what I want in, in the future, as if it's already occurred, then I can I can go ahead, then I'm not worried about it happening anymore in the future because I'm happy now, right? It goes back it. to being present. Yeah, I love that idea of creating or generating that gratitude now. Um, and I found like gratitude is like, for me, gratitude has been this, it's been this solution that like- The elixir. 
It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it for me, and it's it, free. It's free. It, it doesn't cost any money. Right. It's amazing because like I, I had a fear of heights I, and I still do it to a certain extent, but I realized that like gratitude. So, so quick example, I was out in Seattle with my family years ago and we got locked in that little bubble on the pier that, that um, I can't remember yeah. what it's called, but that um, Ferris wheel, it's called something, the eye or something. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm, I've got these, you know, tiny little kids. I've got my wife and we're locked in this tiny bubble and I'm looking up and I'm like, oh my, I'm going to flip. Right. Like I am going to flip my, cause I, cause I've got like legitimate vertigo. I get dizzy or I, I yeah. used to, but then I, all of a sudden I, I remembered gratitude and I'm like, you know what? It's a beautiful afternoon. I'm out here with my family in Seattle. It's an unknown. This is an adventure for us. Totally. If I panic, right? <laughs> my kids are going to panic. My wife's going to, you know, all of a sudden. Is that, is that going to serve the situation? Yeah. Yeah. My kids could have a fear of heights. Like I do, you know, it's like, I'm, so it's like, let me just be grateful for where I am right now. I'm out here with yeah. my family. We're on vacation. We're having a wonderful day. Our stomachs are full with food. We just ate. It's sunny. It's beautiful. We're in this piece of technology that man and, and you know, women built and it's this time, is unbelievable. Yeah. And it's a beautiful day, blah, 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 blah. So I just kind of flooded myself with that. And before I knew it, we took off and I'm just, it was awesome. And I just kind of yeah. stayed in that place of gratitude and it literally dissolved any fear of heights I would have had. Yeah. But, but, but you have to, again, that awareness, you have to catch that and that quickly. And be, and be a creator in the moment and decide yeah. I'm right now I'm creating fear. I'm creating anxiety. I'm creating overwhelm. Right. What would I prefer right. to be creating? Right. right. You have to recognize that you have the ability to do that. Right. Um, I love it. And, yeah. And when you do it, so gratitude is literally the opposite of stress because gratitude so stress in most places is a feeling of lack of some support, of some sort, right? Lack of funds, lack of time, lack of um, health, lack of like all these different things that that give us stress. And gratitude is the opposite. Gratitude is abundance. If, if you're receiving something, gra gratitude is the feeling of receiving versus the feeling of lack. So if you're genuinely and authentically grateful for anything in that moment, you are feeling receiving. And so you can't be, you can't be in both at the same time. You can kind of pick one. It's like, well, I'm grateful, but right, you, that that doesn't even work. <laughs> right, right. Because then, are you right? If if you say but, then are you really grateful? Right. It's like I guess not. So okay. So how can I create more gratitude in any given moment? And when we start to do that again, even from a physiology standpoint, so much goes on in our body with genuine gratitude, and that's probably in your ex your example why you're able to be more calm and able to kind of realize sure. because you open up your focus a little Change bit more. The chemistry. Yeah. Totally. You and you are creating gratitude, and you're you're. Then, by the way, you're physically creating energy around you for your family as well, right? I mean, our, when our again, when we have thoughts, uh, they create brain waves. We can't actually necessarily see them, but they're there, just like microwaves or radio waves. And people and other people's thoughts do pick up on them. Yeah, it's contagious. Uh, yeah, totally. Sure. Our heart, when your heart, is, literally, there's like an eight foot uh, yeah. wave that goes out, right? So people, yeah. I, I call it sharing heart space with someone. So here you are sharing heart space with your family, the people who you love more than anyone else in the whole world. In, in this bubble yeah. Um, and for you to intentionally create love for them and love for the day and gratitude for being like that is going to physically have an effect on other people. Sure. And the yeah. more we do that and see that have like a, a result in our lives, um, the more it comes back to us, the more we start to feel it more. And so it's a really, you know, love is the answer, right? In the grand scheme of things and, and gratitude comes from that as well. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So we're talking about being present and that sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that would be nice. Ideally, it would be great to be present at all times. We'd like to slow time, appreciate things, enjoy our lives. 
there are so many things that get in the way of all of us being present. Um, So can you speak to, you know, for me, I'm thinking like technology, devices, smartphones, social media, reacting demands in our environment. So what are some of the things that you see uh, being problematic about things taking us away from the uh, present moment? Yeah. What are some things we can do to resolve that and overcome it so we can keep coming back to being present? Patience is a big one. Patience is huge, but also just to your point, um, choosing. You you have to make the time to decide that you're not present. And and really, it actually comes down to curiosity. Uh, And I say that in the sense that you can always at any point be curious, am I being present right now? What does presence feel like? Uh, I think the things that are taking away from, from that are you know, media, like you said, I mean, all the things that you mentioned, social, uh, social media, but even just the news today and all the, the fear there, there is an overall, I think I, I haven't watched the news in years, right? Because anytime I did, it was just basically, you should be scared. This is what's happening to you. This is all happening to you. Life is a terrible place. Stop it. Uh, these people are out to get you. Those people, right? depending on, it doesn't matter which news channel you watch and they're telling you somebody else is, is, is happening to you. Um, so fear in general, in fact, if I can bring it all down to that, I would say fear in general is something that keeps people from being present because at that, at any given point, if you feel like something is going to happen to you, did happen to you, um, might happen to you. If you, if you step outside your house, whatever it is, right. you get in these places. And in my opinion, unless you're physically in danger and you can see that and it's, it's, you know, factual fear is a liar and it put, and it creates different chemicals in your body, different stress reaction. And so at any point, if you're scared of something, you're, you're not being present. Again, I'll even just take it quickly back to your awesome example. You were afraid of, of the vertical. You were afraid of being trapped in this thing, right? And it, was t- it wasn't making you present in the moment, and you chose to be. So I think fear is one of the, the big things. In fact, it's not only fear of just uh, some of the things we mentioned, but often fear of what other people think. You know, if, if you're in any situation where you're, let's just say you're public speaking or you're stepping into a room for a, a business situation or you're, if you're going to school or you're in a new situation, all these different things, um, or even on social media where people put out different type of content or don't put out different type of content, it's often due to fear of what other people think. Sure. Yeah. And if we can remove that, I mean, I, I think that's, that's a big thing that hinders people from really being present because they are worried about judgment. Right, their judgment of of from others, and also judgment of themselves. They're, they're constantly judging themselves, and that is something else that takes us away from being present. You're yeah. thinking of all the different reasons why I'm not good enough, and you don't always necessarily say it in that way, but really that that's the underlining judgment of, of most in most challenging situations. So at any given point, if you change that judgment to curiosity, and you ask yourself questions like, "Well, how true is that? Um, you know, how would I rather be feeling?" Um, and if, let's just say you're judging yourself for being out of shape. Uh, I'm just, I'm not, uh, you know, I should, I should go to the gym more. I should weigh less. I should be healthier. Like even just using the word should often in that space, it's like you're putting this kind of energy. I mean, you could feel what I'm saying and I should be doing this, but if you, you simply change that to curiosity through the word could, you know, I could go to the gym more. What would that be like? And you start being curious about, well, how could that work? How could I actually fit that into my schedule? And of course the judgment will come. Well, you can't because of work, because of this. Yeah, but if I had to, how could I do it? Why would I do it, right? And you start getting genuinely curious about that. Hmm. Um, I think curiosity is, is a great way to decide who you want to be in any given moment. And presence, the more you can create presence, uh, that, that'll give you more opportunity and willingness to be other things as well, including patient and joyful. Yeah, I love that because I think so many of us, we kind of live conventionally 
we go through the motions, we, you know, stair step our, our way from school into a job or whatever it is, yeah. and we're doing what we are told to do, or we're doing what we should do. Yeah. Based on society, religion, culture, convention, whatever. Somebody else's experience. And expectations of us. Yeah. So I love what you're saying about being curious. Because then what I think happens to many of us is we get, we, we recognize that we're stuck. We're not leading the lives that we thought we were. We wake up one day in the mirror and we're not where we thought we would be. Right. And rather than saying, rather than feeling guilty about that or feeling stuck for longer, like, because I know for me, it was like, well, I, I, I'm, I had a big wake up call when I was 28 years old. And I always thought I, I should know better. I should be further I, along. I should be keeping up with my peer. And, and, and that, that kept me in that place for a while. Yeah. Versus giving myself permission to be curious and try new things. Right. What's well, okay that I'm here. Good news is I woke up a bit. Yeah. And let me get curious now because I've never been curious before. I was always told right. what it was I should be doing. Yeah. Right. So and I love that strategy or whatever you want to call that of like, just be curious. Totally. Right? And it's funny, you know, the only time I really like the word should, or one of the only times I do is when you say, you know, every, and I say everybody is exactly who they should be for every single second of life that they lived up until that moment. So at in your example of, you know, being 28 years old, like, you, of course you, you should have been exactly where you were based on every single conversation that you ever had and every you know, experience, good, bad, ugly, and reaction to those experiences. Like you were exactly where you should have been based on that whole line of being based on all those nows that occurred. Right. 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 <laughs> and now at that point, when you had that wake up, that was a new now. And instead of judging yourself for not being good enough uh, or where you wanted to be, you have the opportunity to say, so who do I want to be now? And right. What am I willing to do about it every day until I, you know, so it's one thing to say, I'm not who I want to be. I should be farther along in my career or whatever. Cool. So what do you want to do about that? Are you going to sit there and blame your parents, blame your life, blame your school, blame whatever the environment, the history? Because none of that really matters. It's all nows that happened previous till now. And right. to be honest with you, they typically happen different than how we remember them. In fact, I think and I, this is me making up science, like the actual numbers, but like 60 to 80% of our memories are actually wrong. We, we remember them incorrectly. Oh yeah, we generalize, distort, delete. I mean, yeah, totally. that's why you and I can get asked next week, how did this conversation go? And I'll say one thing and you'll say totally. another. And yeah. our viewers and listeners will say 10 other things, right? Yep. Yeah, for and sure. So, and a lot of the time it has everything to do with our own internal dialogue, our own internal story, whatever whatever story we're trying to believe about ourselves. Right. And so right. We, we make up all this stuff to say, okay, this is why I am the way I am. If you want, and, and of course, again, you should believe that based on your life. So now that you believe that, is that who you want to be? Because right. if that's who you are right now, and we already said that this is only now is all there is. So that's who you are right now. Who would you prefer to be right now? And if you come up with a, a short list or a long list, you know, the longer the list, the more opportunity there is to, to take action, right? The, sure. the more there is to do. Sure. So, uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. I love that. Well, I love that idea of turning a should into a could. And then I would take it a step further and say, how do you turn that could once you become curious how do you turn that could into a must yeah right yeah um more of a mission right, right? Than, than a, a chore right i when love that start, yeah you start to say okay so now that i know what i could do and by the way i and this isn't mine uh but it's, it's stop shooting on yourself right that right. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, we all used to shoot all over ourselves yeah <laughs> exactly that's what i'm saying yeah. so yeah. Uh, but when we start getting curious and then you're absolutely right. And then go from, okay, so now that I know that this is what I could be, 
what am I willing to do about it? And how important is it? What is my why? You know, why would I want to be that? Why is that important to me? Right. Um, and then when you really start asking, again, curiosity, start asking yourself powerful questions and, and don't stop asking yourself powerful questions until you get to where you want to be. Sure. Um, you know, th that's how it happens. I love that because what you're essentially doing in my view is you're asking yourself better questions and with better questions, obviously come better answers, right? Yeah. You're changing that should to a could and therefore you're thinking through a different lens. Totally. And you, then, you're then the person yesterday. Right. Right. And then 28 years before. Right. Okay. So we talked about patience. We talked about presence. Let's talk about this thing called joy. Whole thing called joy. I think all of us, you know, that's a destination that we all, would all like to arrive yeah. at. Right. Well, and that's, I think that's even what I say in the book. It's like, so now you're patient. Now you're present. You're here now. You're not worried about the past. You're not worried about what someone else, somewhere else thinks. You're here now. You're appreciating oxygen, gravity, sunlight, you know, all the above. Right. How would you rather be feeling? Joyful, right? You you want to be happy, and that's and that's the challenge that so many people. I mean, we touched on this, but so many people feel like once they get X, then they will be happy. And the truth is, from my experience, the more you create happiness, the more you'll get X, or the more X will find its way to you because you're not um, you're not worried about how it's going to happen, right? You're you're just creating happiness for being alive. And so, I, you know, was was a person. I actually I wrote it down somewhere recently, but I. I came with the concept, you can be a novice at loving life for, li for life itself in the sense that I know that I was. Like I was at a point where I would say like, hey, like, you know, you see these people just like, I just love life. I just, as a thing and and like the, the birds and the trees and like all these different things, like I just love life. And I'm like, like, that's awesome that you're saying that. And in my brain, I was like, can you really though, do you really look at the sky and the clouds and be like, oh, I just love that. Um, and I, I had some challenges. I'm like, I'm like, I see how you could. And some people might, if they have an opinion and this is maybe if they're raised in the outdoors and they spend a lot of time with their kids, or I'm sorry, with their parents outside doing different things. Um, and maybe that's why they love life. And I kind of did a little bit of that, but was never pushed towards it. And, um, but with practice, like anything else and intention, like I want to love life. I want to be joyful. I want to create joy as often as possible because it sounds like a pretty amazing place to be. Um, and so with practice and with intention and with curiosity, what would it be like to be joyful right now? And actually, I'll also add with consistency. So I've been doing um, there's a, there's a guy named Dr. Joe Dispenza. Are you familiar with Joe Dispenza? Yeah. We've spoke about him in the past. So like really super huge fan. Of my, I'm a super huge fan of his stuff. Um, three books I can name. One is You Are the Placebo. There's a second one called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself and a third one called Becoming Supernatural. And uh, so read two of those books and totally changed. And I, you know, again, I've been coaching for 10 years. I've been on a self-development journey on some level since I was like 16, 17 years old. And, uh, but really reading through his stuff has certainly helped me level up. And along with this stuff comes some meditations. And I think a big part of my growth because of his meditations is you literally spend 40 minutes to an hour creating gratitude and creating joy and, and imagining what it would be like to be who you want to be. And when you start to build up that habit, your body starts to develop those chemicals and your body starts to become addicted to that and you love it. And so creating, I, I'm saying all this going back to joy, it is something that you can create like anything else. If you can create anger, you can create joy. If you can create sadness, you can create joy. If you can create surprise, overwhelm, stress, you can create joy. It just becomes about deciding that that's what you want to do and sometimes working towards doing it so often that it becomes a habit itself. Yeah, I love that. And then one thing I'll just add that sometimes, again, and there's a reason that the book is written, 
you know, recognize you are a creator, choose to create patience, choose to create presence. And then sometimes when you do that, the joy just kind of sneaks in there on its own because you don't really have a reason to be unhappy. Yeah. No, I love that because, you know, as far as consistency and building that habit, like so many of these response, these internal responses, these emotional reactions we have, they're automatic. Yeah. Because unconsciously they were running for so right. many years, for so, so many years. years. And now that pattern needs to be broken. And by the way, to your point, based on our parents and how their patterns are running for so many years and how they literally for the first, I'll say 10 years of our life spent most of our time or whatever, you know, everybody's different, but I'm saying sure. with these people who were guiding us based on how they were guided and how they learned. I mean, had I not gotten into coach training at, at an earlier age, in fact, I graduated right before I had my first child, I'm certain I would have been a different parent based on how I was raised. Uh, I generally and intentionally use a lot of curiosity with my children, even when I'm mad, uh, even if it's instead of, you know, yelling at them to do something, I just say, you know, what do you think I'm going to say right now? Because it gives them the opportunity to then you build up the habit of curiosity. So it's not like, oh, I'm being bad or I'm in trouble. It's what is dad going to say? Well, he's going to say this. I wonder why he's going to say, it. you know, it gives it, sure. it builds that process and that habit as well. Love so it. yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. One of the things, so I have a, a six-year-old boy and he is just so emotionally intelligent and he's like, just so spiritual and just tuned in and connected with just, I don't know where he came from. Right. Yeah. And uh, it, it's neat because he knows when I'm getting worked up, like mm -hmm. I know it too, but sometimes it's like, you know, the train's left the station. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I can't not doing this right now. 180 on this one. I just, it's going, it's gone. It's out of control. And we've talked before and we both help each other out with this, but like he'll, if he sees me going down the track too far and getting worked up, he'll just look at me and be like, are you all right, dad? And like, we talked about that and we, cause he used to, he used to be in bed and he would get all scared about something. You know, he'd see a monster or a Scooby-Doo show or something. And he'd be like, dad, I, this picture is in my head. I can't get this picture out. Yeah. So, okay. Let's scramble that up. You know, let's, do you, do you picture the zombie? Yeah. You picture the Great. So now picture that zombie doing the, um, What's that little dance? The floss. Yeah, it's the floss. Exactly. Doing the floss. And then, all right, and now turn them upside down. So we, we you know, we, he kind of learned how to scramble these fears that were yeah. going on up here. And that was very effective. Now, that wasn't effective with my four-year-old or my five-year-old daughter. So yeah. different strokes for different folks, but it worked really well with him. So we kind of have this relationship where we help one another with our psychology. It's very interesting. Yeah. So he knows, and we've talked about that. And I've said, hey, buddy, you know, I don't want to be upset and I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to be worked up and I'm doing my best. You know that. Yeah. Um, so I'll apologize if I got worked up, raised my voice, whatever it was. And I said, we talked about it next time when you see me doing this, you know, will you just ask me if I'm all right? You know, it's, it's an awesome thing because then if I'm getting worked up, he'll kind of interrupt me and I'll, that'll just kind of uh, allow me to lay my armor down. Yeah. Uh, which and, is so cool. And by the way, that is curiosity coming from him. Right. He's yeah. not judging you and saying, dad, you're being a jerk. He's saying, dad, are you OK? Yeah. Yeah. And then it gives you the, and then or anybody in that situation would be like, if, and I'll take it out of the kid, dad thing. But if somebody else said, oh, you're being a jerk person, would be like, no, I'm not being a jerk. You're being a jerk. Right. right. To be, are you OK? So it's like, yeah. yeah, but I'm frustrated. Right. I mean, it, it's amazing how when we stop, because anytime you, you judge anybody, you're actually literally putting them in a box and you're labeling them as something. Sure. And when you have curiosity, you open the lid of that box and create opportunity. I love it. Uh, yeah. And possibility really is, is probably a better word than opportunity. Yeah. Well, you're coming from a place of openness and tolerance and, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, I understanding, lied. empathy, right? Yeah, that's and right. In the grand scheme of things, I mean, we're all made of the same stuff. We're all just like, you know, the, the made of the same stuff that the stars and the, and yeah. the planets are made of. We all came from the same place. We're all going back to the same place. Yeah, and we're just this consciousness trying to figure it out. And when we start to understand that everybody is going, and again, everybody's exactly who they should be for every single second of life that they've lived. Instead of me judging somebody for behaving or speaking or dressing a certain way, I can instead be curious as to, I wonder why. I wonder what that right. person's life must be like that, that this is how they're behaving. I wasn't taught to behave that way. And, you know, but there's certain things if, if someone else saw, they would say the same thing about me. I wonder why that guy, you know, talks that way like, or whatever it is. Um, and we'll, instead of judging people for who they are, to be curious as to why they are who they are, we then have this understanding that we are all one and you start to see yourself in other people as well. Yeah. It's a real game changer, Ryan, because we're, we're you know, it's so easy for all of us to be offended. Right. It's how our brains are wired. It's a survival yeah. mechanism. It's it's and that's what how it's translated now because we're not under you know a lot. Many of us have you know we're living pretty good lives. Yeah. Um. It's not about life and death every minute of the day any any longer. Literally. Right. So so now it's just like what's well, so easy to be offended. So I I love that. I think that curiosity. I've always said that like you know this thing called empathy could be a real game changer for for everyone in every walk of life. But it's curiosity. Yeah. I love that. And and again, possibility. Yeah. I love and it. When you, when you, the possibility comes, could I be that person? Could I behave that way? Right. That's really what the fear comes down to that. I would never behave that way. What, what if I did right on some level, because we are seeing us in them, whether we know it or not. Sure. When we judge somebody we're judging them because we're judging them based on our experience. Yeah. And instead when we just, I know I don't want to, Say it too many times, but when, when we just get curious about it, it really does make all the difference. In the yeah, world. no, we're projecting our own, you know, issues. Like totally. I, many, many years ago, I used to get really upset when I saw people um, like picketing in any sense of the, you know, yeah. those example. I was like, gosh, I got better things to do than hang out on the side. And then I sat back. Right. I'm like, why am I getting so offended? What do I care? <laughs> what do I care? Well, but, but also like good for them. Yeah, that's it. That's their truth. That's their truth. And they're doing something that they believe in and they feel so strongly that they're willing to take time out of, I'm sure they're busy schedule. So what I recognize was I'm just projecting my own crap. Yeah. Them. that's what like, gosh, I want something that I believe in so strongly that yeah. I would take the time to risk my life or to die on a hill for, and you know what? Good for them. It actually made me appreciate and respect them. Totally. For, you know, going out of the limb and taking, investing the time to do that versus judging. Yeah. But, it was, it took a while, you know, it took a while for me to, to see it through that lens. Right. And now here's the other cool part of this, this whole circle of awesomeness is when we just talked about how we judge others and how we can change that with curiosity. But the other piece to it is when we feel judged by others or literally are judged by others. If somebody comes in and says like, Hey, you are this, and you don't agree with that. Typically, the human nature is to go to, oh, I'm not, and get defensive, and that person's a jerk for even thinking that of me, and all these different things. Right? We we all we reflect the judgment back to them, as opposed to if you really recognize that had I been, and I know I said this hundred times, but I want to be clear about it. Like, had I been born to their parents and lived every single second of their life up until this moment, and then met me and saw what I was doing, saying whatever, I would judge me too. I would think the exact same thing that they think. Sure. So it's not about responsibility. I mean, certainly. You know, there's, there are behaviors that have consequences. And I'm not saying that anybody could do whatever they want all the time um, without consequences. I am saying that anybody's behavior makes sense. <laughs> sure. sure. Yeah, I love that. I love and that. So instead of feeling judged, instead of feeling overwhelmed, just feel like, just look to understand those who are judging you. 
Right. And it won't bother you. And then you can move forward. And then it goes back to not caring what anyone else thinks. Then you can be here now. Then you can create the life you want because you're not worried about what someone anywhere else thinks. You're just knowing and listening for your truth and seeking your truth and getting being curious about that and then taking action on it as often as possible. Yeah. I always have to go back to reminding myself that what other people think of me is none of my business. None of your business. Yeah. I, it was it, somebody said that to me about five years ago, and it was really, really bad. And I, at first, I'm like, what do you, I, I didn't even understand what it meant. How could that possibly be none of my business? And then about 12 seconds later, my brain kind of did one of those, oh, yeah, I guess really, it's nothing to do with me. Yeah. 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 It really doesn't, does it? Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned life coaching. Tell me a little bit about that. So you've got this book and then you've got yeah. this life coaching. Is it a practice or business? I would yeah, say. yeah, absolutely. A little bit about that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I've been a certified professional coach since 2009. I spent a majority of my career, at least, well, I should say that's not actually true anymore. But the first half, maybe five or six years of my career uh, coaching musicians and people in the music industry. And I had come from a background in artist management. I love live music. I'm a big fan. I just wanted to be around musicians as much as possible. So I spent a lot of time um, coaching musicians. Then I became an internal coach for- that must have been really easy, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you, but musicians no, no. aren't like perfectionists or emotional or anything. No, like <laughs> they don't have odd hours or do unhealthy things. It's yeah. easy for you to work with and coach musicians. <laughs> I'm always up for the challenge, Sean. I like yeah. the adventure. Um. But yes, and there were some, some great conversations. But at the same time, going back to everything we've said, they are unique human beings, right? They're exactly who they should be. And so to kind of step into that and to be there with them on a, such a unique journey in a place where you're constantly feeling judged yeah. and you're constantly putting yourself out there and you constantly have to deal with fear of what other people think one way or the other, even if it's just listening to something I just played right now for the first time or listening to recordings or being on a stage or all these different things, you're, you're constantly putting yourself out there. So um, it's actually a great place for me to kind of cut my teeth, right? <laughs> That's tough. Yeah, um, I say that because I've been a musician, you know, since I was eight. I've never yeah. done it professionally, but um, I have uh, quite a few very close friends who are musicians, and you know, we can be pains in the you know what. So, yeah, yeah. unique. We'll say yeah, unique. <laughs> um, but then I became an internal coach for one of the top coach training organizations in the world. So I was the guy who coached their staff. I coached everybody from entry level up to the CEO. And then again, as I did this, I started to understand my ability to kind of um, work with all sorts of people, right? So I, while I love musicians, uh, they also didn't necessarily always have the biggest budgets, right? Because sometimes <laughs> they're just this starving thing. And so it was nice to be able to kind of work. With, so I started working with, I've worked with doctors, I've worked with authors, I've worked with people in marketing. Um, obviously, I've worked with coaches as well. And so that's what I do now. I mean, I do a number of different things, but one of them is, is being a, a coach, Um and I work with people from all over the world. I do it mostly virtual. Uh, in fact, I prefer virtual because you can actually, um, you know, you can work with people anywhere you want. You can work with hours that work with them. You don't have to pay for overhead. You don't have to get the office. You don't have to get all these different things. You have it at home already. Sure. Um, it's, it's pretty powerful. So I love it. I would say next to parenthood, coaching is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. Um, and I'll definitely do it on some level for the rest of my life. I I was just going to say, go ahead, please. If you have a question, I'd love to hear I was going to ask you, so in, in your mind, what, what is the difference? Because I think there's some confusion, maybe maybe misconception is a better word, but what is the difference between like, let's say coaching and therapy? Yeah, great question. So, and I'm painting with a broad brush here, but therapy is typically working with people who are not functional and want to become functional. Therapy works a lot looking at the past and trying to bring it up to the present. You really look at the past a lot. And you kind of look at how it formed who you are and it, well, how it created your path and then where you are now to get you to be this place where you're not functional and want to become functional. 
Coaching, from my experience, is working with people who are functional but want to become optimal, right? They're, they're in a space where they just they know that they're not reaching their full potential. They know that they have more within them that just haven't been able to do it. They have blocks. They have limiting beliefs. They, they uh, have things that are keeping them small. Uh, and we typically spend more time looking at the present and the future than we do the past. Right. Obviously, occasionally you're going to say, well, why might you think that? Is there a time in your life that might have made you? So there, there are similarities in the modality. They are both helping. They are both have a lot to do with curiosity as well. I mean, you certainly are obviously asking a lot of questions of your patient or your client. Um, but typically, from my experience, you know, coaching is really more of a, of a forward-moving process than, okay. than therapy is. Sure. sure. Got it. Got it. And, it, that, and a lot of times people say, well, coach, why would I want to coach? I mean, I have friends. I have family that, that can kind of do that for me as well. And that's awesome. And then especially if you're in a supportive environment where people love you. But the challenge is that often your friends, your family, they have their own agenda. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Sometimes their agenda is they love you and they don't want you to get hurt. So they're going to push you away from maybe pursuing your dreams. Or maybe they had a terrible experience at one point that has nothing to do with you. And they're going to share that with you so that you don't do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And or they might just have an agenda that is not that they love you, that they just want you to do something. Who knows? I mean, and. Whereas a coach, literally, I think people always ask me what makes a great coach. I think the, the best coaches are those who are able to really hold the client's agenda all the time. So it literally has nothing to do with what I would do as if I was you. It has nothing to do with what I want you to do as much as I just want to, you to be clear on who you want to be, how you want to show up, and what you want to accomplish. And if you're clear on that, then I can be clear on that. And once I'm clear on that, I'm not, I don't care. You know, your mom might care what, or you might care what your mom says or is going to say. I don't care what your mom is going to say. I care that you said you want to accomplish here. Let's let's find the best way for you to do it. Hold them accountable to their own agenda. Totally. Yeah, I, I find coaches to be super, super valuable because like for me, especially as you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, you I'll go home and I'm married and I have some kids and like, you know, I wanna I wanna jump in the trenches and go down the rabbit hole and think strategically about business with my wife. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's like, no, no, thanks. You know, she was wired so differently. Right. So it's like, especially I think for entrepreneurs and in, in really anybody, but like there's certain places where you want to go and certain yeah. things you want to think through with people who are, you know, your five closest people. The issue there is, is like you mentioned some of their own agendas, some of their own biases, some of their own. And just way of being. Yeah. Yeah, it's They're hard. They're going to be that that person in that space anyway. Right. I have like five best friends who I've been best friends with for twenty plus years, and um, we're all adults now. We've got kids and the whole thing, but I'm and I love them to death. But I'm not necessarily going to spend time with them talking about the philosophies of life. Sure, because right? sure. we do in different ways. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, powerful. So quickly, what does that program look like? If someone wanted to hire you, you know how how does that? Is it a yeah, I've, so two two things basically. One, the, the as a coach, I mean, you can go to ryanstanley.com um, and you can just basically, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. Uh, we meet weekly. Uh, basically, I typically spend an hour with each person. Um, I have a minimum of three months because I don't believe, I, I do believe, I, I believe that it takes at least that for people to truly see the value and understand the change that they can make. I've had some extremely powerful initial sessions, like people's life can be changed after one session. Um and that's great, but for the sustainability, for the confidence, for the for the accountability, I feel like a minimum of three months is a requirement. So if you go to ryanstanley.com, there's a contact page on there. You can just go there. You can uh, reach out to me, and I'll be happy to respond to you. We'll set up some time together to kind of see where you are. Cool. You. Awesome. Uh, the other thing I'll just touch on real quick is I'm also um, – I have a, a sales training company. I say that in the sense that I'm a coach 
for uh, other coaches, other entrepreneurs, other consultants, service-oriented solopreneurs who are want to serve the world, want to, to help people grow, and have never had any type of a background in sales. And so I have a partner. He's got over a decade experience of actual sales training, and I'm the mindset piece to that. And so if you want to check that out, you can go to teachmetosell.com as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. So if you could leave our viewers, listeners with one piece of wisdom based on our conversation today yeah. surrounding your book, right? Sure. What would that be? Purchase the book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it has all the answers. We talked about that. Where can we find the book? Yeah, I'll buy it. Yes, exactly. So thank you, Sean. Uh, if you go to ryanstanley.com, actually, so obviously it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Nobles. Everywhere books are sold. Uh, and by the way, the, the title is Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful. But there is a subtitle of A First Aid Kit for the Emotional Bumps, Scrapes, and Bruises of Life. I say that as a reminder because when you see you know, the, the first aid kit on the, on the, the front there, you'll get that. Awesome. Um, so you can see it on Amazon. You can find it on Barnes & Nobles. But you, if you also if you go to ryanstanley.com, there'll be a button that says Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful. And if you click on that, uh, you can get a copy directly from me. It'll come signed with a little note from me and also come, depending on my availability, with a complimentary coaching session. Oh, cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Please, uh, you know, I'd love to send something your way. All right. You're not getting out of this question here. I'm ready. All right. So so what is it? If you could bestow one piece of oh, wisdom. <laughs> Apparently I wasn't ready because I forgot. <laughs> you said purchase the book, but yes, got to get more from you than that. More right? than that. Definitely. So it's simple, but it's not necessarily always easy. The truth is, if you, the one thing, the one piece of advice I'd give to anybody, including myself and my children is if you're if you're watching this or listening to this today, make time today. And I didn't invent this, but this is something that has certainly worked for me um, and I've expanded upon. But make time today to write down who you want to be, to not worry about who you've been or what your life has been or what you're told to do or anything like that. But literally make time to write down who you want to be in every area of your life, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. This is your life. This is your gift. You are here. Who do you really want to be? It doesn't matter what your wife or your husband thinks. It doesn't mean what your friends think. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If you could literally be, and it didn't matter what anyone else thinks, write down who you want to be. Then create gratitude for two things. One, the outcome itself. Sit and think about and feel. Close your eyes and feel how your life would, would, would be if you lived in that, if that was your life, that was your experience. And spend as long as you possibly can in that space. Two, create gratitude for your ability to manifest that, your ability to be a co-creator in that process because you have that ability within you. And if you start to step into it and be curious as to how you can bring it about, you will. So that's the first part. Write it down, create gratitude for it. Then tomorrow morning when you wake up, read it out loud. Read it out loud to yourself so that the, that the world can hear the song of your soul. Read it out loud to yourself and to the universe and to life. And so you're saying, this. I'm claiming this. I'm putting my stake in the ground this is who I was born to be. I've known a part of it for a long time and I've been hiding it behind life. And that's okay because that's what 99% of us do. So that don't judge yourself for doing that, but you deserve more and you have the ability to be more. In fact, you have the ability to be whatever the heck you want to if you're willing to put in the time and effort. The challenge is that people feel like I didn't get it within a month, six months, a year, so it's not going to happen. But if time wasn't a matter and, and I told you, hey, you know what? It's going to take 10 years of you working every day, but you will literally live the exact life that you want. Would it be worth it? And the answer is always yes, right? So if you if you remove time and you increase patience for the outcome, you've already created gratitude for the outcome and you remind yourself every single morning and every single night who you want to be, 
what that is. You're reminding your subconscious before you go to bed. You're reminding your subconscious as you start your day. You start to look and see more opportunities. Um, and then lastly, take action on it every single day, even if it's for five minutes, because five minutes on day one will turn into 55 minutes to 10 hours on day 365. And if you were to if you were to really think about it logically, and you were to say, hey, um, if I were to do this every day for 365 days, I'm mean, again being curious, what would be different about my life? Right? Because people aren't necessarily always willing to put it in 365 days plus. But once you build up that habit and you start to think about who do I want to be every single day, and I take some bit of action towards it. And again, if it's not, it doesn't have to be a work thing. If I want to be the best dad in the world, and I take five minutes of my day to remember that every day, and that that helps me take action towards being that with my dad, with my kids, you know, it it all adds up. So um, now, so do all this every day, and then congruently be the light you want to see in the world. That would that's what I would leave everybody with that that kind of process combo. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thank you. I, I think I, I love what you just said too, because I think, you know, what I'm typically looking for is if I want a result, like usually that result comes with a certain feeling. So like a lot of people want to make more money. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. But they're probably more accurately after the feeling that more money provides, whether it's Correct. feeling of being free, not tied down, the feeling of more security, the feeling of a better, you know, maybe a, a greater status, so to speak. But yeah, it's usually that feeling. So I love what you're saying. It's like, you know, put in motion who you want to become or who you want to be. What does your ideal life look like on paper? Write it out, create that, you know, that first creation, put it on paper. Yeah. And and then be there and spend time there and generate gratitude with that and almost future pace that so you can experience those feelings early. Cause I think what you feel becomes your reality. Right. So 100%. I think what you just said is it's awesome. And that's, I, I know we're doing on time here, but that's, I just want to share real quick. Like that's the crazy part is that so many people feel like I have to work to get this thing so that I will feel this way. And so you're chasing the experience and you're chasing the outcome and you're, you're, you're actually in a space of lack because you're feeling, I don't have it yet. I don't have it yet. I have to work towards it. I have to work towards it. Right. But when you go to this place of like, hey, I am just so grateful now. I'm physically feeling good now because I know that it's coming. I love it. I love this feeling that I wanted to create. The experience will come to you and you're no longer chasing it. You're no longer coming from a place of lack. You're coming from a place of being and abundance. And then you know, you're not seeking anything anymore or seeking is probably, I think it's wonderful to seek. That's where curiosity comes from. But you're not chasing anything anymore. Right. You're not coming from that place of lack. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was a ton of fun. Yeah, Sean, truly my pleasure. Went by too fast. In fact, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, it's been an hour. So I know. I know. We can talk for a lot more, but we'll end it. We'll have you back on. Good luck with the book sales. Good luck with the life coaching practice. Yeah. That's fantastic. And yep. thanks again for being with here with us today. Sean, I appreciate your awesomeness, and we'll see you soon. All right. Sean here again. Thanks so much for joining us this week. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to my podcast so you can catch future episodes. Also, go ahead and give it an honest rating so you can let other people know what you thought of the show. Take care and make it a great day.